All these pretended negotiations of the Duke of Otranto Fouché were nothing more than the mission of Monsieur Vernet to Prince Metternich, of which the Duke of Vicenza had informed the Emperor in the beginning of April. At that period, a secret agent of Prince Metternich was circumvented in Paris by the secret police of the Tuileries. He was led to believe that he was in communication with an intermediate person who possessed the entire confidence of Fouché. He revealed all he knew, delivered the letter of which he was the bearer, and set out again on his return, bearing a counterfeit autograph reply from the Duke of Otranto, in which Basil was proposed as the place of rendezvous and negotiation in order, as it was said, to be beyond the reach of the emperor's secret police. By this means, the emperor would have been able to personally give effect to the overture of the Austrian minister, if it was sincere, and to defeat the intrigue, if, as he feared, Metternich was influenced by a hostile purpose. This, perhaps, is the proper place to say that whilst Napoleon was in exile in Elba, Austria entered into correspondence on the eventuality of a revolution in France. An authorized General Kohler, who twice went secretly to Portofrajo to sign a draft agreement with General Bertrand in order to guard against the prejudices which might have been created against her by her conduct in 1814, when the Emperor of Fontainebleau offered to abdicate in favor of the King of Rome, and she refused the offer. Austria acted on that occasion according to her usual policy. She played a double game. Let us, however, hair record a fact at the moment in which the emperor, in compliance with the wishes expressed by his ministers and the counsel given by men whom he had been accustomed to regard as old friends, was about to sign his second abdication, a man whom he had long considered his enemy, Carnot, urged him even to importunity to listen to the voice of the people and not by his abdication to deliver up revolutionary France to the vengeance of the emigration. He said that his former experience had taught him that in this time of a national crisis, there is no hope for safety, but by the aid of strong and terrible dictatorship in the midst of this tumult of regrets and hopes. Two inexplicable thefts occupied the attention of the Elysee Bourbon for a moment, a case containing some valuable snuff boxes adorned with portraits set in diamonds, which had just been sent by the High Chamberlain, was placed by General Bertrand on a chimney piece of his chamber. During a few moments in which he approached the window with the messenger of Monsieur to Montesquieu, only a single person entered the room, but when General Bertrand recollected the case, he went to look for it. It had disappeared. This, however, is nothing in comparison with what happened to the emperor himself. One of his ministers had brought some millions of negotiable paper, canal shares, and other securities. The emperor, having counted them, placed them in their cover under one of the cushions of his sofa. The minister was followed by a man whom the emperor had been accustomed to receive in his cabinet. Ever since the campaign in Italy, his rank and the high functions which he discharged placed him beyond the reach of accusation. No other person entered the cabinet. Between that and the time in which the emperor proceeded to take up his papers in order to place them in safety in his bureau, he immediately perceived that they had been touched 
and were incomplete. 1,500,000 francs had been abstracted. Who had taken them? The mystery was as great as in the case of the diamonds. On the 23rd instant, the emperor, quite taken up with these thefts, which deprived him of a part of his resources, called to mind the Count Pirago. One of his chamberlains was a partner in the house of Lafitte. He sent for him and commissioned him to ask the head of the house whether he could, in his character of banker, open an account with him of from four to five millions, which sum he would transfer to him in gold or in gold securities. Count Perigo did not hesitate a moment to accept the offer in the name of the house, and that very evening the capital was received by Monsieur Lafitte, who proceeded immediately to the Ile-Saint-Bourbon. The interview was curious. The emperor expected to meet in Monsieur Lafitte only the man of money and the fortunate speculator. But after the first exchange of words, he recognized in him a man of high intelligence and forgetting the reason of his visit, discussed the great political questions which occupied his thoughts and forced Monsieur Lafitte to perceive all the dangers to which the conduct of the chamber of deputies exposed the advantages gained by 30 millions of Frenchmen over some millions of privileged individuals whom the armies of Blucher and of Wellington were reconducting to Paris. Then, returning to Blucher, he questioned Monsieur Lafitte on the degree of influence which he had exercised in the decision of Marshal Marmont. It was, in fact, Monsieur Lafitte, who, by touching in the heart of Marmont all the cords of the Patriot of 1789 and alarming him by the idea of the sack of Paris, had made him forget his allegiance to the Emperor and all the devotion which he owed him from the day in which, as sub-officer of artillery, he had found a protector, a friend, a father, a Captain Bonaparte, the minds both of the Emperor and of Monsieur Lafitte were so entirely occupied with these subjects that the latter took his leave without thinking of taking the Emperor's orders or of giving him any receipt. And it was not till he reached home and found himself with his partners that he became aware of his absence of mind and hastened to repair it. This visit recalled to my mind the one which was made a short time afterwards by Monsieur Lafitte to Louis the Eighteenth, Baron Louis, the Minister of Finance, thinking no doubt by the exaggeration of his hatred to redeem the favors and benefits which he had received from the Emperor, summoned Monsieur Lafitte to declare on his oath whether or not he had in his hands any funds belonging to Napoleon. Monsieur Lafitte, justly alarmed, hastened to the Tuileries and obtained from the Duke Blancard a permission to have an audience of the king. Sire, said he, on the 19th of March, a few hours before the entry of Napoleon into Paris, I received from your majesty a deposit of seven million francs. By the indiscretion of his courtiers, Napoleon was informed of this fact, but he took care himself to lay my fears by advising me to transfer this money to England and by this means to prove myself worthy of the confidence with which the king had honored me. Louis XVIII understood what Monsieur Lafitte expected of him and interrupted him. I knew all that, sir, said he. The Abbe Louis has been in the wrong. Make yourself easy and do with regard to the money which was delivered to you at the Elysee, which you did with regard to mine. That is to say what you promised to do on receiving it. On the 24th, the populace of Paris assumed such a menacing attitude towards the leaders of the Chamber of Deputies, and the crowd so encumbered all the approaches of the Elysee 
making the air resound with cries of Viva la Pur! and of menace to the traitors that the provisional government did everything in their power in order to determine the emperor to quit Paris and to retire to Malmaison there to await all arrangements should be made for his embarkation and departure for the United States. Fouché knew that he could only attain his end by bad faith and apparent devotion, and I heard him cry out at the moment when the tumult outside resounded in the hall. Do you hear the people of Paris? Gentlemen, they are the same as they were in 1793, sublime in their patriotism. Casting a glance at countless causes in the Duke of Vicenza, he said, Carnot and I are not suspected by this sublime people. We who sign our oaths to them with the blood of Louis the Sixteenth. Eight days after having pronounced these words, the ex-conventionalist opened the gates of Paris to Louis the Eighteenth. 